polite, will you, people? I mean, for, for crying out loud, it's, it's just a TV show. Voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. And welcome to Geek Salad, episode four. should actually be talking about the nuclear vessels. The vessels, yes. The vessels, right, yes. Sorry. So, I'm Andy. And I'm Mike. And we're here to talk today about Star Trek. Uh, but not not just any Star Trek, Mike. We're here to talk about the, the original, original generation. Series. Absolutely. The good stuff. Kirk, Spock, McCoy, the old days where yeah. it all started. Yeah. Now, I, I have to admit, um, when Mike originally came up with this episode, because this was actually all Mike's idea this huh. time. Yeah, I got to um, throw some ideas in. You know? hey, <laughs> exactly. Mike's show too, you know. <laughs> I, I, I know it is. I'm not taking that. I'm yeah, just away. I'm just, just messing with you. <laughs> we, um, it, it was interesting for me because, uh, realistically, I'm not that big of a Star Trek fan. No, I'm more of the Star Trek guy. I mean, I love Star Wars too. and I, I've, I always just watch the Star Trek show because I used to watch it with my father a lot when we were yeah. kids. That was the big thing. When I was a kid, him and I used to watch it at night, you know, the old reruns or whatever, and used to tell me about it and everything. It was kind of our father-son bonding moment. So yeah. that's kind of how I got into Star Trek. I mean, I'm not one of those, you know, guys that wears the ears or the uniform that's five sizes too tight. But, you know, that, that's how I loved it. And that's Star Trek's just got a little piece of my heart, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, um, I watched a lot of the original series in my grandmother's house. Kind yeah. of as, as one of those things that before Cable, you know, yeah. you had to deal with the rabbit ears. Yep. And... We didn't get a whole lot at my grandmother's house, so Star Trek came in, so I'd watch a lot of that. Um, and my grandmother, you know, God bless her, she was in her late 60s when I was a little kid. Uh-huh. She couldn't explain any of this to me. No. So I, I really kind of had to make up my own stories. And Well, unless the grandmother thought, you know, William Shatner was a hottie back then, you know, there's uh, really most, not much... Most certainly not, but um, I mean... It barely it, does now. Yeah. <laughs> Growing up, though, um, I was a Star Wars kid. Yeah. You know, and... There are times, especially being a geek, okay. um, where I do feel sometimes like I am a Star Wars kid living in a Star Trek world. Well, you know, you look at it this way. Both of them have a huge fan base. Both are also very different. you got Star Wars, which basically has its own universe, own storyline, more action. I'm going to say there's a lot more action in it. But then you get Star Trek. This is more of, it's supposed to be kind of like the future of us. Right. And it's like, it was a world that Gene Roddenberry kind of created where, like, you know, you know, everybody in the in the Earth is, like, united. That's why they have the United Federation of Planets. You know, we've, you know, they work to better yourself rather than having money. And it was just kind of a better world that he kind of dreamed about living in. Yeah. With all the crap that's going on now, I mean, with everything going on in our world today, it was kind of the world that he was hoping that we wouldn't. You know, it'd be a better world for us, basically. Right, right. And, I mean, you mentioned that, though, that they wanted to create a better society, a, a, a pacifistic, peaceful society. Why did they build weapons? 
well, you got to defend yourself. You guys, you have to get to meet some aliens that aren't going to work. I mean, it's like you think about it. It's now you expanding from the Earth to a universe, right? And it's like you know, you got people. You know, you're going to fight. You're not going to get along with. They're going to have difference of opinion. Right. In a case, if you you know, if you basically say the alien you know way of saying douchebag or something <laughs> like that. You know, if you don't have that universal translator, you know, tuned just right, you know, you're gonna get, you're gonna piss off some alien with five arms. Right, right. But you know, there was a movie actually about guys growing up, just about our age, yep. uh, called Free Enterprise, oh, which it is a great movie. Um, we definitely recommend yep. that. You know, if you haven't seen it, uh, put it on your Netflix list, your blockbuster list, um, rent it on demand, mm-hmm. BitTorrent, whatever. This is actually a really good movie about two guys who are entering their 30s, both big Star Trek fans. Basically sci-fi geeks, kind of like us. And they actually befriend William Shatner. And this is before William Shatner had his big career surge um, with Boston Legal. Yep. And uh, what's great about this movie was, I mean, first off, you also had guys like uh, Eric McCormick of Will and Grace fame. Yep. Uh, Rafer Wagle, who wasn't really that popular. He has, I mean, you've seen him a few things. He actually did um, a Star Wars game, actually. He did. He was in um, that first, uh, remember the Jedi Knight games, the early ones? Yeah. He was actually in that. He was actually one of the characters in that. So there's a little bit of Star Wars in there, too, for you. Okay. Um, yeah, and, you know, it's a very good movie. The one thing that will stick with me in that with that movie forever, though, is at the very beginning... When um, the kids are growing up, yep. and they want to go see Star Trek: The Motion Picture because it had opened, yeah. and um, <laughs> I remember that it was it was like a dream sequence yeah. where William Shatner breaks up this fight between one of the one of the main characters as a kid and, and this kid. other kid. Yeah, oh yeah, I know. And he's this. like, "Why are you guys fighting?" He's like, "You don't want to know." <laughs> oh, I want to know. He said that Han Solo could kick Captain Kirk's ass in a fight, and then of course William Shatner responds back with. Kick the little fucker's ass. <laughs> and, of course, the kid gets up and becomes, like, you know, a William Shatner fight. You know, goes and kicks him and beats the crap out of him. His shirt's all ripped like he would rip his shirt, too. <laughs> it was so classic. It was hysterical. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, as Mike mentioned, Star Trek is the brainchild of Gene Roddenberry. Uh, it was actually envisioned as a wagon train to the stars. Yep. At least I believe that's how um, George Takai had put it. Basically, pretty much. I mean, and, like, you know... Like I said, Roddenberry, that was his dream, you know, to create a world where we were all living a little bit better. Yeah, yeah. And um, it came out in 1966. Yep. Mike, do you actually know who produced uh, Star Trek? No, I don't, actually. Desilu Productions. Oh, that's right. That's, that's right. right. Desilu Productions. The makers of uh, I Love Lucy, Desi Arnaz, and Lucy Ball. Well, they were pretty big back then. I mean, who didn't they kind of produce at that time? I, I don't know. There was a I'm lot sure, of stuff I, produced by I'm them. I'm sure a lot of legs were broken because was, of Desi Arnaz. They were, they were the uh, juggernaut at the time. <laughs> And it's one of those shows that, love it or hate it, you watch it either because you've just got this extreme passion for Star Trek, or, um, if you're like me, you're looking at it from a more cynical set of eyes where the acting is terrible, the special effects are atrocious. Yeah, but you remember if it's for the time. Right, no, absolutely. Back then, that was like, oh my god, this is so cool. But that's what we in Generation X called novelty. Absolutely. Um... You know, and you have your your, your your cast of characters. You've got your uh, your main crew. Uh, we decided to start off kind of at the bottom of the barrel and work our way up. And yeah. for the most part, we're working in terms of how they fared career-wise after Star Trek. Right. So that leads us to uh, Walter Cohen, who played Chekhov. <laughs> <laughs> Next. Okay. <laughs> Um, there was Uhura, played by Nichelle Nichols. Right. Um, rumored to have actually had an affair with Gene Roddenberry. No. 
You didn't really? know that? No, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, I had uh, seen this on a. Um, actually, she she spat out a little too much more than she should have. There yeah. was a uh, there was a thirtieth anniversary VHS that had come out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, back in the mid '90s during the uh, the release of Generations, yep. where she just—I don't know if they gave her a couple of drinks or whatever. She spilled the beans about that. She um, talked about how she met Martin Luther King, who kept her on the show. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing about that was, I remember um, there was a a, some, a clip where she was talking about how it was in that Trekkies movie. We'll talk about a little later, where she was saying that how um, a young woman saw her on. TV and said, come quick, there's a black lady on TV and she's not a maid, and that was Whoopi Goldberg who actually saw that, and, and actually that was kind of a pioneering thing because she was like the first, you know, because back then, you know, African American culture wasn't really as strong as, right. you know, in that time, so and I guess someone that's not like being like a slave or something like that. I guess technically she was third in command on that ship, which is, she was a secretary. She was a lieutenant. She was a secretary. That's essentially what her job entailed, but yeah, third in She had charge. a high rank. She did have a high rank for what she was, and right. that was very, that was a a stepping nice milestone. Yeah, and Michelle Nichols has been turning up on TV lately. She was in last season's Heroes, um, and my least favorite uh, story development of Micah and, and um, Jessica oh, going out to New Orleans, so you could just feel bad for them again. I will say one thing about Michelle Nichols: she has a beautiful singing voice. Oh, she does. She sang. I remember she would do a few songs on the show for things, and she sang very well. Well, that's because Eartha Kitt wasn't available. That's true. <laughs> Um, then we've got James Scotty Doohan. Ah, James Scotty Doohan. Yeah. Um, He's a guy who's supposed to be Scottish and is not even Scottish. Oh, yeah. It was, I guess, the only accent he could actually do. Was a Scottish accent. Was a Scottish accent. Um... And, I mean, he's best known for Star Trek. He yes, was no. in uh, Jason of Star Command, which you mentioned yep, we talked about last, last, last time. And uh, I think one of his last roles was in Homeboys from Outer Space. Oh, yeah. I remember he actually he had a small clip in Loaded Weapon 1, too. Oh, that's like, right. It was like one little, you know, five-second scene. You know, the funny thing about Scotty was, I always found, was kind of interesting about the character. He was a guy that was basically, you know, he was your basic, he had your basic stereotypical Scottish character, okay? Yeah. He liked his scotch. He loved his scotch, tight with money. Um, and, you know, the funny thing is, he was always, you know, getting drunk. <laughs> you know, he always said drunk. You know, he, you know, he loved his, he loved the Enterprise. He considered a baby. I remember someone insulted, and he beat the crap out of a Klingon for yep. it, you know. And the funny thing is, I think that alcohol finally did kick in, because as you watch the movies, he did get a lot heavier. So, <laughs> you know, the alcohol finally just caught yeah. up to him. I actually have an interesting story about uh, James Scotty doing. Yeah. Um, one of the guys that worked with me when I worked over at the video store... Um, when I was on the Cape, we he would actually uh, volunteer for like sci-fi conventions mm-hmm. to pick up some of the talent. He picked up people like Richard Hatch, most of the crew from uh, Battlestar Galactica, but he also got to pick up James Scotty Doohan at the airport. Oh, that's, yeah, now and, we're talking good stuff. Yeah, well, what happened was, I guess, uh, Jimmy needed to make a few uh, a few side stop- stops for some stuff, and... <laughs> Long story short, uh, Scotty loves his porn. Really? Yeah, he he, he does love his porn. Oh, so God. God bless you. He was actually shot out into space. His <laughs> ashes were shot out into space, making him the first crew member to actually go where no man has gone before. In space. Yes. As ashes. Um, coming up next is uh, Sulu, uh, George Takai. George Takai. Now, oh, my. Oh, my. Uh-huh. 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 Um. George Takai has been making a lot of headlines lately. He uh, just got married to his longtime companion. Yep. Um, he's appeared on Heroes. Mm-hmm. 
He's appeared on Secret Talents of the Stars. And uh, I believe Howard Stern. He's yes. He's doing stuff for Howard Stern. He does a lot of stuff for Howard Stern. And this is a guy who, when you really think about it, and when, you, when we're ranking them, is still he's, he's really kind of middle of the pack. Mm-hmm. He, um... He's really kind of making a big career comeback and he's, at and he's, this late age. And the thing about it, he's a good guy. Yeah. You, in fact, you know, you had a Scotty story. I got a George Takai story. Excellent. I met George Takai. Did you? I did. Um, it was back in Franklin Pierce College, my good old alma mater. It was um, the sci-fi club was doing a sci-fi convention, and I heard he was going to be there. And my buddy was actually one of the officers who was in charge of, you know, getting him, getting him there. So, you know, he's like, you want to meet George Takai? I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll meet Sulu. I, that sounds cool. So... He comes in, and it was kind of like a cold, rainy, raw day, 50s, 40s, you know, up in New Hampshire, that's cold. And, you know, I shook his hand, he's like, hi, how you doing? Very very friendly guy, such a nice guy, you know, very down to earth, that's what I liked about him. And he's like, wow, it's very cold out there. And I told him, I said, well, actually, this is kind of warm for this time of year. He goes to me, now, I have to correct your vocabulary. He goes, warm is a degree of hot. He goes, that outside is not hot. Uh-huh. I said yes, but for Franklin Pierce, it is. And he started laughing. So I made George Takai laugh, but he was, he was such a nice guy. We were Excellent. chatting with him. You know, he was pretty cool. It's funny hearing interviews with George Takai, too, because realistically, again, kind of one of those middle-of-the-road type actors. I, I, would, I think I can go as far as to call him a B actor. Yep. Um, when you talk about when – you, when you see him being interviewed, where he talks about – the character he portrayed on Star Trek mm-hmm. and the things that they kind of made him do. Right. He is such an actor's actor. He oh, is, yeah. I am an actor of integrity, yes. which is funny when you see him, you know, running around without a shirt on, you know, with a, with a fencing foil. Well, the funny thing, interesting, too, is that he also said that when he was doing, um, you know, when they were doing takes on Star Trek, when they would do shots from when he was at, like, the helm. I guess he was a big runner, so at times he wouldn't wear his pants. He would just wear like these like running shorts with his shirt on. He said, "I did that." You know, they only shot me from the waist up. So he said there was days I would go into work with no pants and just the shirt, the uniform shirt. <laughs> but that was funny. Yeah. Um, next up is uh, the number three guy uh, in the crew, uh, Bones McCoy. Oh, I like I like McCoy. Yeah, he was uh, a great. He was one of my favorites. Yeah, he was great. About thing about him was he was always like you know, he always kind of has spot off some humor. But yet, when it came to his job, boom, he was right there. He knew what he was doing. And, you know, he was—he always kind of was like the Jiminy Cricket for, you know, Spock and Kirk. Right. And he always kind of like, you know, he always bantered with Spock and all that. But when Kirk did something, he would always kind of be like, you know, I'm your friend. You might want to listen to this, you know. And that was great about him. Right. Um, I mean, DeForest Kelly, again, another one of our dearly departed uh, yeah. crew members here. Uh, I, always, I always found Bones to be more of... Kind of like your cranky grandfather, yeah, or like that guy that has to give you the whole spiel during the holidays. That he, you know he'll only say "Merry Christmas" as that kind of like. Well, he was and he was, and I think at the same times he could be a pretty down to earth guy too. You know, when you looked at him, if he right. was in his good days. You know, when he was in his bad days, forget it. Right, you know? but it, I mean, if you're using a hammer to do a screwdriver's work, he would look at you and just ask you if you were an idiot. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, then next is Leonard Nimoy, Spock. Uh, Spark, yes. yes. Uh, here's a guy I don't think could ever break away from his Star Trek character ever. No. He's tried. He's directed a number of movies. Mm-hmm. Um, he's done a whole lot of, just a whole lot of acting and everything. And he just cannot get away. And it's it's the way he looks. Right. It's the way he looks because they didn't do a whole lot with him except add the ears. Yep. You know what I didn't know about him was uh, he was in Mission Impossible. 
He was, yeah. He was in Mission Impossible. I mean, I didn't know that. Like in the last like season, he, like, he took off like Martin Landau or something like huh. that. He was in a couple episodes, and um, yeah, but you know, he never shed that role. But at the same time, he's kind of he's taking it with a with a nice grace. You right. Know? He appreciates it. He doesn't push on because he has done some. He's tried doing other things that haven't worked for him, but like for himself. But I think I think he understands where his bread is buttered. Right. Hey Spock, what do you want on your hot dog? Surprise me. And um, he did try a yep. music career. Oh, yes. In the middle of the earth, in the land of Shire, lives a brave little hobbit whom we all admire. With his long wooden pipe, fuzzy woolly toes, he lives in a hobbit hole and everybody knows him. Bilbo, Bilbo Baggins, he's only three feet tall. Bravest little hobbit of them all. So yeah, it's it's a pretty bad song, and I don't think it does his image any any good. That it's a um, it's a song about a little guy with pointy ears. And yeah, it's basically the Hobbit song. And, and if you get a chance, there is a video on YouTube. Look it up. Write the Ballad of Bilbo Baggins or Leonard we- Nimoy. It's pretty cut off. I think we can. I think it's safe to say we can post that on our MySpace. Page. I think we should. I think yeah. we have to put it up. Um, and that brings us to the uh, the big Kahuna, Bill Shatner. Yes, I'm gonna say Bill. William Tiberius Kirk. Uh, yes. Oh, I have William Tiberius Kirk. James Tiberius. Kirk. James Tiberius. Oh, you, Kirk. Just, you mixed and matched. Yeah, that's all right. Oh boy, uh, where do we where do we start? Well, uh, first of all. Music career, musician, extraordinaire. Also, we got Leonard Nimoy and Kirk. You know, Kirk and Spock singing. Picture yourself in a boat on a river with tangerine trees and marmalade skies. Somebody calls you. You answer quite slowly. A girl with kaleidoscope eyes. Cellophane flowers of yellow and green towering over your head. The girl with a sun in her eyes, and she's gone. She's gone. She's gone. Aha! Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> is he really singing? Or is he just kind of doing his act? Is really bad acting? Uh, yeah, well, that's. I'm going to sing like this. I and that's the thing that that cr- I think that Shatner has always prided himself on is that he considers himself to be. A man's man in terms of actors, but yeah. he he really wraps his arms around the whole. I am going to right. talk like this, and you know if he doesn't do as much now in Boston Legal, he made that more prominent in the Star Trek days. But you know the funny thing about it was, you know, bad actor, good actor, whatever, he made it work. He did. You know he that's did. the thing. I mean, you know, if, you, if that's something you're known for, you know, in a sense, yeah. I mean, if you're looking for like, if you're going to compare him to like Robert De Niro, no, you can't do that. But if you compare him to what he was doing for what he had to do. That works. Right. You know, that's what I liked about it. And what, what's going on with, with uh, Shatner now is that he's on Boston Legal. Didn't he win a couple he's of Emmys? He's won a couple of Emmys. And yep. he's been one of these guys who's been able to go from having a, a hit show in the 60s, from having that, that period in the 70s, and for even the most part during the 80s when they were doing those movies. Up until T.J. Booker. And kind of being a, a, considered a joke as an actor in right. terms of just being, you know, cast him for novelty purposes. Right. And then all of a sudden... This happens where he becomes a serious, well-respected 
actor, which I I think is is quite interesting. And I'm you know I know that Adam West would kill for his career. You know the funny thing about it is he's kind of it's like he's almost like done it all. If you think about it, he's been every he's been down each road and back. You know, I yes. think that's what kind of makes. I think that's what makes him, you know, the type of guy he is. Well, he's he's had his toupee and a number of different pies, and he does love his ladies. He does love his ladies. I guess apparently, he, every lady that got on that stage, he would basically just kind of invite himself in. He was such a schmooze, <laughs> from what I had heard. It was. I mean, I, not that anybody doesn't know this, but yeah, white, was, black, green, gold, scaly, care. whatever. He'll 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 fuck it. <laughs> um. So I mean, this is your crew. Yeah. We pretty much had a couple of really complimentary things to say about all of them Absolutely. except for Chekhov <laughs> but yeah, um he was also at my college once yeah. and he was kind of a douche he was he wanted me he's like hi how you doing bye bye you know and just like you didn't get a chance to talk to him at all right so but well, it, I, hey you know maybe it's just a bad day I don't know but the, the reason why Walter me. Cohen was brought on was because they wanted to kind of have that Davy Jones-ish kind of right. young cute guy on the uh and he wasn't Russian you know he wasn't was Russian like, you know, at all the, but he had a great Russian accent and he actually made it work very well. He even right. used another TV show, so I found out. Right. He's, but, I mean, the, the, the Russian action was really good, but it was really kind of one of those I love vodka kind of... Right. It was a little, it was kind of overdone a tad. Right. I mean, you can also see Gary Oldman in uh, Air Force One. Right. For how not to do a Russian accent. Or like Balky from Perk for Strangers. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, the concept of the show was, was pretty much, like I said, a wagon train to the stars. Yep. Just spurting a peace mission... Throughout, you know, throughout you know, space, charting stars, you yep. know, just basically let's get a lay of the land here. Every episode primarily revolved around the crew mm-hmm. landing on a planet, yep. um, meeting up with some kind of backwater or backwards group of people which inhabited the entire planet. Yep. If it was, if they landed on one planet, it would be the planet of hippies. Yep. If it was another planet, it'd be the planet of Nazis. Roman centurions or, or Nazis, Nazis. Yeah. or you know, or like you know, like gangsters. And the funny thing is, you always had to have at least one guy in a red shirt. Oh, absolutely. That was always the thing. You had a requirement to have a guy in a red shirt. Yeah, with a target on his back. Pretty much. Well, uh, it was red. I mean, you know. Right. Well, I think Eddie Murphy put it best when he's like, you know who's going to die in this episode? It's the guy in the red shirt. Yep. And I only know that because look at the crew that's going down there. It's Kirk, Spock, Bones, and Yeoman Smith. <laughs> uh, so uh, what about some episodes? What, what right. kind of sticks out in your mind well, we'll go down for the, the, the three seasons that the show was on the air? Well, let's kind of go down the order here. We'll kind of go in order. I mean, let's start with The Cage. Mm-hmm. This was the kind of technically un... You know, this was the, sh- the show that was never really aired on TV. It's the unofficial, the unofficial pilot, pilot of the show. And that wasn't Kirk. No, it was... That was... Um, oh, what's, what was the actor's name? Last name was Hunter, I believe. Oh, I can't remember his name. I know it's not Tab Hunter. No, it was somebody else, but I, but I know he passed away a couple years after that. But he was supposed to be... He was Captain Christopher Pike, and he was supposed to be the first captain of the Enterprise. Right. Or actually the second captain or something like that. There was another story there. But, um, yeah, I, mean, I saw The Cage at a comic book convention. It was, I think, my very first comic book convention. Yeah. They had a special screening of it. Mm-hmm. This is And this is really before they were releasing uh, television shows on VHS. So it was it was a big treat to see it. That episode kind of creeped me out a little bit. It did. You know, you had the guys, first off, they could basically make you think of, you know, they basically make you see anything. They could, you know, cause illusions. And, you know, Pike was captured to see what a man looked like and kind of, you know, they wanted to see what, you know, human, you know, you know seeing human interaction... <laughs> And I remember he meets that woman who is basically his fantasies and different things. One man, she's like there at Earth. One next man, she's an Orion Green slave woman. And then you find out that she was actually crash landed on that planet. She was all like beat up and scarred and old. So it was kind of an interesting episode. Yeah. Um, then there's the Enemy Within, which 
uh, some kind of evil force splits Kirk in two. Well, yeah, I mean, there was something about the planet when they were coming up from this planet, and apparently something screwed up the transport, so one good Kirk came up, and all of a sudden, the evil Kirk came up. And of course, the funny thing is, you, know, you can tell it was evil Kirk. How? He had black eyeliner. <laughs> <laughs> you look closely, he's got this eyeliner on, it's like, makes him look really kind of evil. Yeah. And um, it was kind of funny, just, you know, seeing both of them go back and forth, and, you know, they're getting weaker and weaker, so they got to put them back together, yeah. or they're going to die, and meanwhile, the other guys are freezing on the planet. <laughs> um, one of the all-time worst fight scenes in televised history mm-hmm. comes from uh, the arena. That's the one where the Kirk is on a planet with a lizard-like creature called a Gorn, yep. which essentially is a guy in a really shitty mask. Yep, it's pretty much yeah. It would look like just your basic standard, you know, Halloween costume. Right, right. And it was it was actually filmed at that that rock formation. I think yep. it's in Arizona. Yeah, somewhere that um. Everybody films that. Oh, yeah. And essentially, it's Kirk without a shirt. No, actually, he had a shirt on for this one, believe okay. it or not. I remember, I remember the episode was actually on a few days ago. All right. He actually was fully clothed in this one. Ah. But, you know, the funny thing is, he had, basically, it was like some godlike creature, basically. Put them down there to see who would win in a fight and who could, like, think for themselves. And you had to find, there's, there's actually stuff to make weapons, but you had to find it. And, of course, he's like, all these things, what I wouldn't give for a hand phaser. You know, and it's, you know, the, you know, the Kirk acting. Right, and there's that scene where he's on top of the mountain, and he grabs that paper mache rock, yep. and he throws it down at the Gorn, yeah. and it takes a good three seconds before, after the Gorn is hit, mm-hmm. before he even reacts to it. Yep. I remember there was actually a reference to that in Galaxy Quest. Yeah. Remember that when he goes, yeah. can you find anything to make a laze or something like that, with the big rock creature was yeah. attacking him? That was, like, that was kind of like a parody of that part. Right. Um, and that, I mean, that's one thing that's kind of a signature about Star Trek, are these really kind of lousy special effects that, you know, where the, you, you did what you had to to get right. get the show done. Yep. Um, one thing that uh, Jim had asked me to bring up were the, were the sliding doors. Oh, the, the, yeah. the, the noise would make? Yeah, it on the, um, in the crew room, yep. not only would they make that shh noise, yep. but they had two stage hands on either side of the doors pushing them together. Right. Instead of maybe just having a lever that would just push them both together at the same time, so the doors were always out of sync... One door would close, then the other would close. Right. The only time that would actually work is if all of a sudden the power was out. Then yeah. they had to actually open them on their own. Yeah. The uh, and then there was the um, the other thing too. Every time they'd have to take evasive action, mm-hmm. and the camera would rock tilt. to the they would yeah would tilt to the left or the right, yep. and everybody would just kind of move in their seat to the right or the left. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like I remember uh, Saturday Night Live did a parody of that. I remember yeah. John Belushi. That was actually a funny skit. If you ever yeah. get a chance to catch that. But that's it's, it. Just check Same it out. Thing. You can pretty much check any Star Trek episode, and they do that. Oh yeah. Um. Then we get to actually, I think the granddaddy of all Star Trek original series episodes, them, Space definitely. Seeds, because it includes our favorite villain, Khan. Khan. Yep. He was basically a super-powered human. He was a yeah. He was a superhuman that was created during the um, genetics. Wars, uh, wars of actually, the early 21st century is referenced in Enterprise, which we'll cover another day. Right, one one day. Yes. Um, and essentially, it's it's Khan Ricardo Montalban. Yep. And his children, basically, who are all superhuman as well. They're all superhuman as well. They're all super strong. And and Khan is unfrozen by Kirk, who yep. can't leave well enough alone. <laughs> and he tries to take over the ship. Yep. Manages to uh, bang one of their. Uh, Oh yeah, I, th- I think it was. She was their art expert. She was supposed to be yeah, whatever their like their history buff or something like that. Yeah, and she, uh, she ends up joining Khan. She found him so you know 
so yeah. alluring. He's, he's Ricardo Montalban. I mean, he's, come on, look he, at him. He's got the accent. Muy macho. He's got the big, big chest. Yep. You know, what more can you ask for? Right. And I had rented this episode uh, a few months ago on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Just I hadn't seen it in forever, so yeah. I had to see it. And I was blown away by the one thing that they do to kind of channel their inner strength is they just have like the, the, these meditation exercises yep. that look a little like yo- uh, yoga. At least they're, they're supposed to look like yoga. Right. What they look like are really, really preposterous acting exercises. Yeah, okay. It's kind of like, <laughs> and now reach out, pull in. Yes. And everything is just very, very dramatic. And also that music goes, like that little music to kind of get him going. And yeah. I remember at one point you see him just break a phaser in half, you know. And and of course, Kirk actually beats him in a fight. He has to club him over the head with like a, like a, like a, some kind of thing from the. It might have been a fire extinguisher. Yeah. And then they, um, they then shuttle they him on. off to City Alpha 5, and we will continue that conversation in just a little bit. Yeah, both him and the woman who was supposed to be. He basically became his wife. Right, right. And so, now we have The City on the Edge of Forever, which I believe I believe won an Emmy or was nominated for an Emmy. That was the episode with Joan Collins. Okay. Now, I don't remember seeing it because I haven't seen it in like a long time, so I don't remember much. But I know they got, went back in time because McCoy was injected with some kind of like. He was trying to say help somebody. And he got actually got injected with some kind of a uh, like a drug or something mm-hmm. that overdosed, like basically overdosed him. Right. And he ran through this. Um, it was like a like a like I think a time like a time door, and so they had to go after him, and because he was going to screw up time. And Kirk falls in love with Joan Collins' character. Of course. So I guess apparently something about Joan Collins' character had to die for the future to kind of become better down the road because her something her death was actually going to help like. Not really start the Federation, but kind of start the path for something. I don't know what it was. Right. So that was like I guess it was like one of the most emotional episodes right. that they ever filmed. The only thing I really remember from that episode is uh, Spock and his little knit cap and hugging Kirk. You know, yeah. hugging Kirk and Kirk yeah. crying when it happens. <laughs> I mean, it was Joan Collins at the time. Joan Collins was a hottie back she, then. Back then, she was a she was pretty big hottie. Yep. What about a muck time? Muck time. That's a good, another good episode. My, that was my dad's favorite episode. Okay. That was the episode. Where the infamous Kirk versus Spock. Ah. Now let me set the tone here. This is where Spock was going through his little pond far. That was like every couple years he has to mate with another Vulcan. It's almost like his, like, you know, basically his puberty, I guess. Yeah. I don't know what it was. So he'd kind of freak out. He couldn't control himself. It's where their emotions started to kind of come back. And they had to kind of pacify it by basically having sex. <laughs> and you know what was having sex with the Vulcan was? Basically just doing the, you know, the, the touch there. Yeah. their hands a few minutes and boom, they're okay. The live long and prosper. So I guess the story goes along with, you know, they have to beam down to Vulcan to fix this, and he has to marry some woman, but the woman says she doesn't want him, she wants Kirk. Well, now, because under the Vulcan rule, Kirk and Spock have to fight to the death. Ah. So, now you get the famous, you know, thing with the big, huge, you know, fight, with, and the big, with, with the music. Bi- with the big, huge Q-tips, right? And, of course, you know, we got to cue that famous music. And, of course, you know, they fake kill Kirk, and then, you know makes him look like he died and then they beam him up and he's actually okay yep. and all of a sudden Spock embraces him and just you know smiles and goes Jim <laughs> and then you know it was one of those little funny it's one of those little things to try to get him to trip up his yep. uh, his emotions Absolutely. and it's funny too that you mentioned the uh, the whole live long and prosper thing is kind of like their way of having sex because yep. if, I, if I'm not mistaken I believe the uh, the Vulcan cutie in that I, I probably would have lived long and prospered the shit out of her so. oh yes <laughs> Um, then there's Changeling, uh, which really, not that momentous of an episode, but it no. does have, I think, one of the most ridiculous prop slash characters I've ever seen. Well, it was Nomad. Be, yeah, it was supposed to be like a, like an old like probe, and it basically evolved, 
and came back and thought Kirk was its, it was its creator. And the thing was supposed to be perfect. In fact, it actually made Uhura dumb for a while. Right. It, like, zapped her brain. So she had to learn everything all over again. Magically, by the end of the episode, she actually had all her mental capacities back. Yeah. Which made no sense. But, that's not, but who knows? Essentially, what Nomad was supposed to do was go around the ship correcting imperfections. Yes. And they found the ship to be imperfect, so they were going to destroy it. Um, which really, okay, Spock tricks it into think, finding out that it's imperfect and it blows itself up. Right, because Kirk, because he thought Kirk was the creator, and when Kirk wasn't, it was some guy named Kirk also, and it kind of screwed up the whole thing, and then of course he blows himself up. Right. And I just remember the, the uh, robot essentially was a six-foot-tall Empire State Building yeah. with a voice that sounded like it was filtered through a coffee can. Pretty much. Which I think it was. Yeah. <laughs> it just had like a little string with a can, you know, yep. connected like when we were kids. Yeah. What about uh, Mirror Mirror? Oh, that's a great episode. Yeah. That's another one of my favorites. Yeah. That was the evil universe. Ah. That was the one mirror where they had like, you know, the big you know sword going through the earth where they basically had like an empire instead yep. of that. and. And, of course, that brought us, you know, Spock with the goatee, because, yep. remember, everything evil wears a goatee. All right, I have a beard. Does that make me somewhat evil? A little bit. Okay. A little bit. All right, well, Mike, you're, you're calling me evil. Okay. You know what that means. <laughs> that was a great episode. Yeah. And uh, Doomsday Machine? That was another good one. That actually kind of ties into Star Trek motion picture a tad. Okay. See, it's, it's, it's a big cornucopia thing. Okay, and it's attacking everything in its path, and it's like destroying, destroying everything. And one of the Starfleet ships gets pretty much decimated. And one guy's left. His name is Commodore Decker, who's basically gone crazy. So Kirk is left on the Constellation. That's the other ship, trying to fix it up a little bit, maybe salvage it. And Commodore Decker decides to take over the Enterprise, <laughs> and he says, "Well, I got a ship that works now. Let's go fight this thing." <laughs> and they're like, "Spock's like, uh, we can't do it." You know, he's like. He's like, I'm going to, like, you know, I'm going to take over your command. At one point, he's like, you're bluffing. Vulcans do not bluff. <laughs> that was one of my favorite lines. But, you know, they ends up leaving command, and then, you know, Commodore Decker has an idea to basically shoot a shellcraft down the throat. So then they shoot the big old ship down the throat and destroy the thing. Ah, and okay. Decker, Commodore Decker is related to another member, which we'll talk about later. Much, much later, yes. Um, then there's Trouble Tribbles, which is, I think, the most recognizable episode. Yeah. In terms of, you know, you see Kirk uh, about nipple deep in, like, yep. these little furry balls. Balls. And it was kind of a comedy episode in a yeah. sense, too. Because, I mean, you had, like, one point where Scotty got pissed off and started beating up Klingons because they said... The Enterprise is a garbage truck or something like that. And, you know, and the interesting thing was they tied that in with Deep Space Nine. They actually, yeah. Remember they filmed they filmed an episode where they went back in time. For right, that. and that's right, because they made the comparison between um, how Michael Dorn's Klingon Worf looked yeah. versus how the 60s TV show worked, where Which essentially they, they would just hire black actors and throw right. Fu Manchu beards on them. Or just basically them. call them dark. And I guess apparently there was a episode that in Enterprise explained it. Yeah. Right. Um, now, do you know, Mike, that at the Hallmark stores now, you can actually get this year's Star Trek ornament. This year's noisy ornament is uh, Kirk being covered in tribbles, and the tribbles kind of recycle through through the, the ornament. Does it, so like, make there's the always noise? one. It, it does make the noise. The cooing noise. Yep. And they um, they all just kind of drop through this little chute, mm-hmm. and they just keep dropping and dropping and dropping and okay. dropping. It's, it's kind of a neat concept. Yeah, that is kind of cool. Um, if it didn't weigh 15 pounds and <laughs> knock my tree over, I'd probably get it. <laughs> i got to love those, uh, those noisy ornaments because oh, yeah. they all just – I don't know why they make them. You can't put them on a tree, mm-hmm. you know? But I know. Maybe we'll talk about that during our Christmas episode. That sounds good. So, a uh, piece of the action is one of these episodes, had it been filmed for the next generation, would have been done on the holodeck. 
Oh, yeah. But instead, they didn't have a holodeck on the original Enterprise. Right. They decided to um, just travel through time, where they traveled to the 1930s and they're gangsters. So essentially, it's an this excuse. Was one of those, this one of those episodes where the planet was basically ruled by, they were basically an alien breed that basically were a, basically a 1930s, 1930s gangster. gangster yeah. So they could they had to do the old prime directive where they couldn't basically, you know, give them any technology, which kind of makes sense. You don't want to give right. them any technology that could actually take and blow you up later. Right. Um, Plato's stepchildren you had mentioned earlier? Ah, uh, yes. That was actually kind of a... Uh, that was actually kind of a turning point there, and that was actually a controversial episode. Oh, that's right. That's the episode where uh, yeah. they were glad they were on a gladiator planet. Um, yeah, partly gladiator planet, partly like um, it was something about like a lot of mental telekinesis powers. Where right. They were like they were like Greek kind of. Um, they were kind of a Greek style planet where they had a lot of telekinesis powers, except for one little midget that had nothing. Right. And that was actually one of the controversial episodes because that was the episode where Kirk kissed Uhura. Wow. So Jim you know. T. Kirk got a little bit of brown sugar, yeah, huh? Absolutely. Yeah, um, it's also the episode where they made uh, Spock think he was a horse. Oh, yeah. Which, and I mean, seriously, this is, uh, the, the way that Nimoy portrayed acting like a horse mm-hmm. made um, Khan's children yep. uh, just seem subdued yeah. by comparison. It was, it's one of those things, it is it's definitely a, a laugh-out-loud worthy moment. Right. Um, and I remember seeing that a few years ago uh, when they were running them on Sci-Fi. Mm-hmm. And my roommate, Nate, and I were just watching it, like, oh, let's just watch a little Star Trek. And they made him, you are a horse. <laughs> and I, I actually think a little pee came out because it was that funny. <laughs> it was funny. Um, now, Way to Eden is one of your favorites. That's the best. That's the space hippie one. Yeah. That was the one where, um, oh, there was one actor. He was in, he was in Ram, the, Ram, the second Rambo movie. Um, you'd know if you saw him. Richard Crenna? No, not Richard Crenna. He was another guy that was in it. It was like kind of the... Um, Oh, whatever, I'm getting off the top. <laughs> but anyway, you'd know if you saw him. Um, he was in it. There was other, basically a bunch of space hippies. Actually, Chekhov got a little piece of the action in this one. Did he? Because um, one of the women was actually, she was a former Starfleet officer who decided to go with these hippies. Ah. And they were looking for this planet that they called Eden. It was supposed to be like this beautiful planet they could live on, they could enjoy. And this one doctor who was basically, he was supposed to be like this big doctor who was, you know, very well known, but he decided to go crazy and look for this planet. So they finally find the planet. They actually end up, you know, you know, taking over the Enterprise. The space hippies take over the Enterprise. So they're not very peaceful hippies, are they? No, not really, but they were just doing whatever they could to get to this planet. Kind of tying into a movie we'll talk about later. Yes. But the funny thing was, the planet, basically, the the ground was acid. Yep. The plants were acid. The apples and everything were poisonous. And they realized it wasn't the planet they wanted. And it also gave, it gave us the great musical theme. Remember? Stepping Step into Eden. Eden. Yeah, brother. That was their old thing. I remember Spock started playing. They're going, you know, hey, man, you play really well. You know, cause he played that, like, weird harp, whatever it was. Right. And that's, that, I mean, essentially their idea of hippies were kind of like the dragnet-style hippies. Yeah. That just needed to be taken down several pegs. Mm-hmm. So Life in Nixon's America was a great time to be on TV. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, and that brings us to our final episode that we're going to talk about. And my personal favorite, because I reference this in regular conversation, yep. is Savage Curtain. Otherwise known as the Space, Space Abraham Lincoln episode, yeah, where um, they are visited by Abraham Lincoln, and then brought to- a Vulcan, also like a Vulcan high, like one of the high Vulcans from like he's like one of like an ancestor, right? Who like paved the way for Vulcan and Kirk and Spock, and it was versus they were uh, they were beamed down to this planet where they had to fight uh, essentially Chaos. some some 
evil Klingon mastermind. Kalos. He was not really evil. He was just basically a, a very strong warrior. Cause right. If you look at the Klingons, they weren't really evil at the time. I mean, at the time they were, but then they were just kind of, they were just, they just liked to fight a lot. Yeah. You know? Um, and uh, they also had a guy who, whose name I can't remember, but I just call him Evil Buzz Aldrin because yep. essentially he's just a, a an evil space guy and a bad crew cut. And there was a woman too, wasn't there? Was I, I, I believe so. And they um, had a fight. It was a good. Ver- it was one of those old who can win, good, good versus, versus evil, evil, and will they make the right choice type episode. But the thing is, is that Kalis, the um, the Klingon, mm-hmm. was apparently a master impressionist. Yeah. And one thing he was going to do to try to lure people out was call them using one of their teammates' names. And what he would do is he would try to impersonate Nimoy, not, not Nimoy, Spock. And what essentially, here's what his impersonations entailed. Him putting his hands around his, his mouth and going, help me, Kirk, help me. <laughs> and, you know, Kirk would just be like, oh my god, that Spock. <laughs> and eventually it comes to a head. Um... Abraham Lincoln is 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 takes a spear to the back, mm-hmm. which it kind of it kind of looks like Stephen Baldwin at the right. end of uh, the Usual Suspects, oh, where he yeah, kind of yeah, looks yeah. at him like, "Hey guys, funny thing, thud," and <laughs> everything's like sticking straight out the back. But order is restored as it always is. Absolutely, and, good and evil. Yep, and uh, 1968 ended it. Pretty we had to wait essentially another 21 years before um, the movies came around. But in between that time, uh, Shatner, Nimoy. And uh, Kelly actually had another side project for Star Trek. The animated series. Yes, the animated series. Actually, all of them but Chekhov made it back. Really? All of them made it back, except for Chekhov. He didn't do it. And they actually replaced Chekhov with, like, an alien with, like, five arms. Of course, because they needed needed that retarded dog or or dino buddy for that episode. But the funny thing was, also, once in a while, Uhura was replaced by, like, some, like, it was a, um, she was replaced by a, like, she was, like, some kind of, like, a woman who looked like, she was, like, part cat. Okay. She's like, oh, Crofton, you know. And the funny thing was, some of those episodes actually kind of tied into the original series. Yeah. Like, they brought in the Tribbles again. Um, they brought in Harry Mudd from the couple episodes that Harry Mudd was in. And I guess apparently, and I, I don't know if this is true or not, some of those were supposed to be original episode episodes that were never made it to the next season. Right. But, they, I mean, the cartoon was good. I mean, it was filmation. It's filmation, so essentially you're, you're dealing with, you're not dealing with Disney. No. But you're not dealing with the company that did uh, Troll in Central Park exactly. either. I mean, I liked it for what it was. I mean, I didn't mind. I mean, Filmation was always the same cut over and over again. But I think as bad as it was, I kind of liked it. Yeah. I'll admit the Filmation stuff because you always knew it. You kind of always saw it. It always kind of had like the same sound effects, the same actor voices. And it kind of gave you that, that, that cartoon feel. Yeah. You know, you had that feeling of it. And it's a good memory. Right, yeah. I like the cartoon. I mean, I saw a few of them. Yeah. Um, I, I specifically remember seeing a few of them during, I think, their second run. Because um, 1973, I was about a year old, right. so I wasn't watching shit back then. Well, but, the, last, uh, the last episode was actually one where actually they went to like some other universe where they went back in time and they all became young. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing was they actually referred to um, a character named uh, Robert April, who originally, I guess, apparently when Roddenberry was creating Star Trek, that was going to be the original captain's name. Oh. So technically he was the first captain. And I guess they since they never really got a chance to talk about him in the original series, they decided to bring him up in the cartoon, and he was, like, really old. His wife and his wife, they were, like, retiring. Right. And, of course, they went back in time, and, of course, they all became kids, and he became young. He was still old enough that he'd become young. So, you know, they had to put him in the transporter there to get back to normal, and she's like, you know, we can be young again. You can be a commander again. He's like, no, I've lived that life. I want to do it again. You know, the old, old thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, oh, and that brings us to the movies. 
Now, long-time listeners of all four episodes of our podcast uh, will know that we did discuss Star Trek The Motion Picture. Not really in great depth. Um, We really just kind of referred to it as the motionless picture. I believe I referred to it as dog shit and unwatchable. You know the funny thing about that movie was it was just, I mean, you reintroduced the characters, but it was just dull. It was. It was, um, obviously it was trying to capitalize on the success of Star Wars. Yep. Um, They tried to put some wacky looking creatures in there. Uh, The costumes... I just looked. Tight assed co- those they're, they're like tight assed. Like gir- yeah, they're essentially their girl costumes because like- everybody needed to have that extra flab just kind of packed in. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's it, it's just one of these episodes, these movies that kind of it, it, essentially it's a two and a half hour long TV episode. Pretty much, and it was so it was basically stretched out, and it was just boring. Because, right. I mean, not fighting anything. I mean, it was kind of interesting. It was an interesting concept, but it was just too long for what it was. Right. Now, it was originally intended to kind of kick off a new TV series Star Trek that was, two or something it, like that, was yeah. that was going to have uh, Decker. Yep. And um, it was the son of Commodore Decker from the Doomsday Machine. Right. Right. And he like recommended him for the Captain Kirk, you know, the Captain's position because you know he's like you know after Decker had died, he kind of took. Decker's son under his wing a little bit. Right. That's kind of the way how he kind of recommended him. He um, felt bad for it. Yeah, yeah. And um, Ilya was supposed to be in it. It was supposed to just kick off this next generation, which would, again, have to wait... Um, to like 85. Uh, about another eight years before... The next generation. Before the next out. generation came yeah. around. Exactly. Um, so it, it has a feel of a long-term episode. I think they kind of realized that they weren't going to get the TV show off the ground, which is why they did what they did with Decker... Right. And Ilya, which it really seemed like it came out of nowhere. Yep. Where, for all intents and purposes, they killed the killed off the two characters that were supposed to Based move the, move the series further. I wonder how if that would have ended differently if they would have done more with that if that had gone. That well, way. I think the the problem that they would have run into though is that you're I mean you're talking about nineteen late nineteen seventies early nineteen eighties television. So the special effects, even though the special effects in Star Trek the Motion Picture were okay. Right. I don't think they would have had that kind of budget to carry over onto a long-term one-hour TV show right. for any extended period of time. It would have been hard. It, for the time, basically. Right. They also had Battlestar Galactica, Buck Rogers, you had all those other sci-fi stuff coming out. I think it just would have been kind of thrown to the back. It wasn't the right time. Right. The only thing about that movie was, I'm just going to go up for, just for a second. Mm-hmm. You know, remember Yeoman Rand? You know, the blonde that was like the Yeoman, the kind of like Kirk in the beginning of the season? Yeah. She's blonde. You know the funny thing? She was like the transporter person. Remember when the transporter screwed up in the beginning of that movie? Mm-hmm. And the two guys, maybe whatever they, came back, didn't live that long. Right. Whatever. She was doing the transport. I'm looking at her, I'm going, my God, within like whatever, like five, six years that they'd gone, she got really old. Yeah. Like her neck was like very old. She looked like she went from like really hot to grandma. Yeah. You know, it was just like, I don't know, like the age, the years weren't good to her. No. I it, kind of felt bad because she was, you know, she was kind of funny. The, year, the years weren't good to many of them, no. quite honestly. But some of them aged better than others. I mean, yeah. Like, at least, I mean, you know, Duane hadn't gone through the fat phase yet. <laughs> you know, Kirk had updated his nice, you know, new wig. Now he's got, you know, the, the curly wig going. Yep. Yep. And, um, so. you know, and, and then that brings us to 1982, where the movie series really, really kicks off. Yep. And that's Star Trek II, The Rathacon. Any of them, hands um, down. What have they all made? All of them and original series. They've made ten movies, right? Yep. Yeah. This is hands down the best of them. Absolutely. Uh, it picks up where Space Seed left off. Obviously, 15 it's years later. about fifteen years later. Um, Check where off. Chekhov and another another captain for the Reliant they land on City Alpha Five or uh, City Alpha Six. Yep. 
uh, looking for life forms to try out the Genesis project. Essentially, the Genesis is this machine that will create life on a dormant planet. And they had to find a planet right. that has zero signs of life. Because what happened was the machine would kill all the life and then restructure it. So they had to basically do it the right way or the deal was off. Because that was the whole thing with that whole... Right. And they, they run into um, Khan, yep. who informs them that City Alpha 6 was destroyed. Yep. And City Alpha 5, where uh, he and his crew were banished... Uh, was knocked out of its orbit, which created that desert wasteland, yeah. and now he wants revenge on Kirk. Yeah, because Kirk never checked on him, basically. He said, hey, right. how you doing? And he said, he's pissed off, which, I, I know, and I kind of, you know, I kind of actually kind of feel bad for Khan, in, in a you, way. You can feel bad for Khan, because, he, you know, You think the Federation, you know, they're dropping him off, and they do have some Federation, you know, a former Federation officer, who we found out died. Yeah. You know, you kind of found, you know, they should have been a little bit more on that. Right, exactly. It's so you know, it's I kind of I kind of had a little soft spot for Khan there. Yeah, and his um, fake chest. <laughs> and it embarks in this awesome, just cat and mouse game. The entire oh. movie is nothing but back and forth, where um, Khan ensnares Kirk, yep. and Kirk thinks he's trapped. But Kirk's not really trapped because he's already set up, made arrangements to get out of the trap. Right. And essentially, what ends up happening is, first of all, Kirk has a son. Oh, named yeah, David. David. Yep. Um, that he finds that out, which really humanizes Kirk. For the most part, uh, Jim T. Kirk has always just been this. this womanizer. Uh, yeah, he's he essentially he's a womanizer. He, he's a pussy hound. Essentially, which, you know, it was just great because you knew eventually, sooner or later, you'd have to have some kind of an offspring. Right. You know, and he just would just be happy the kid was not green. Yeah. <laughs> um, and what ends up happening is that the Genesis is destroyed upon Khan's ship. And creates a planet, which we will now call just the Genesis Planet. planet. Um, So they were able to actually get the Genesis Project to work. Meanwhile, they had a, um, a, what was it, like a breach in the reactor. Well, the warp warp wasn't working. The radiation, the warp was not, like, the warp core was damaged. The warp drive was damaged. So basically, Spock sacrifices himself to fix the warp drive. Right. There was so much radiation, it pretty much killed him. Yeah, and they, they shot him off in, in a uh, torpedo tube, yep. and he landed on the Genesis planet, which is really kind of fitting. I was hearing Amazing Grace play in the background. Yep, you know, by Scotty Planet and Bagpipes. And don't forget, you know, we were also introduced to a very hot Christy Alley back then. That's right. She Alley, was, yeah, yeah, she was incredibly hot, incredibly yep. thin. Ah, yes. um, you know how she lost her gig, right? She posed for Penthouse around the same time. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so around the time the movie was coming out, um... Bob Buccioni of, of Penthouse like, hey, don't I have pictures of that girl? <laughs> so Star so Trek's long, Kirstie so Alley. Whole, so long for that wholesome Star Trek look. Yeah. And um, so, I mean, it, when I saw that movie in the theater, I was about 10 years old, I was genuinely shocked that they mm. killed Spock off. Yeah. Because I really, I, I never thought they'd kill one of the original members. And as it turned out, uh, getting into the search for Spock, episode three, right, yep. that uh, that wasn't really the case. He had transferred his consciousness to Bones, right. who was um, having these major hallucinations because he's trying to console the two different types. Right. And um, he, he, they had to go off on this search onto the Genesis planet to try to find Spock. Right. Now, um, of course, they th- weren't they weren't allowed to. Like they said, you know, Genesis is now classified. You can't do it. And so Kirk and then they all decided to go renegade. Right. Right. Now, to just take, take a step back for a moment. Um, I'm sure every one of our listeners know about the laws of the Star Trek movies. Okay. The odd ones are really, really good. The even ones, Sorry. blow. Right. 
And um, this, I think, I can make a case that this is the one exception to the odd rule. Yeah, because it was almost it was like it was almost like two, three, and four were almost like kind of connected in a sense. Yeah, they were. And it, it, three did kind of pick up. It was like, oh my god, they're going to bring back Spock. How are they going to do that? <laughs> so it's like you know, it's like you kind of like it was like a cliffhanger, and it really kind of solved that cliffhanger for you. Right. And that was the other big thing was they blew up the Enterprise. They did. They, they had to do it to basically sacrifice. I mean, the Enterprise was now dead because the Klingon shot it, and it wouldn't move. And so they had to basically... They beamed aboard... I think they beamed aboard the Genesis planet, and uh, while, the while the Klingons... The cl- most of the Klingons who went to... They beamed aboard the Enterprise to arrest they them. Hide, they were going to hijack it. And they blew up the Enterprise. Right. And that was, like, that's shocking as well. I mean, right. I'm more upset about the Enterprise being destroyed than Spock being destroyed. Well, the funny thing about the Klingons, too, is you've got two Klingons who you never thought would be Klingons, okay? Yeah. Let's take the captain for a minute. That's uh, Christopher, Christopher Lloyd. Lloyd. You know, this is you know we got Christopher Lloyd, who's the captain, and one of his first officers was John Larroquette. Aha! Now let's look at this for a minute, okay? We've got Reverend Jim, Reverend Taxi, yep. you know, helming a you know, Klingon ship, and basically his first officer is Attorney Dan Fielding. Yes. You know, I mean, how great is that? You know? And, you know, it's a shame though that they didn't get along because I mean, Larroquette is a Klingon, and and Kirk. I mean, we're talking about these these two just. Classic bang tales here. They've got plenty of war stories to talk about. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, and and Star Trek Three. They they finally find Spock. Who basically went from he was also rebuilt from Genesis because the planet re, re, re basically made a reborn. Re, you know, gave him another like lot on life or whatever. Right. And that brings us to Star Trek Four: The, the Voyage Home. Um, now, The Voyage Home is an interesting movie because it's about half of a science fiction movie and half of an urban comedy. Yeah. It's really, it's a genre buster mm-hmm. in terms of all six of the original cast uh, Star Trek films. This is really the one that defies the classification of solely being a science fiction movie. Yeah. Um, as it starts out, the uh, Starfleet is being terrorized by this weird, like, oh. sonic disruption. It's, it's like a this probe. probe that is trying to talk to somebody, and they can't because it's, they can't respond back. And what it's doing is, it's because it can't talk to anybody, it's destroying everything in its path. Right. So, um, they figure out through, you know, computers that uh, the sound is whale sign. Right. Uh, where they need humpback whales who were, who were extinct. extinct for long, long periods of time. Yep. Uh, so, what do they do? They slingshot around the Earth to go back in time, because... Everybody you turn around knows. the sun, you go back in time. Right, right. It's like an Armageddon where if you turn your ship 360 degrees, you can restore gravity. Yes, of course. <laughs> um, so they go back to San Francisco. And that was pretty funny, though, because there were some funny moments. Because you get these guys who were not used to that time frame going back and... You know, just all you know the, the catchphrases, and you know, you get Spock trying to swear, right? Which is actually kind of funny. It you is. Know? It's I... comical, yet it, it works. The use of language has altered since our arrival. It is currently laced with, shall I say, more colorful metaphors, double dumbass on you, and so forth. You mean the profanity? Yeah, that's simply the way they talk here. Nobody pays any attention to you unless you swear every other word. You'll find it in all the literature of the period. The one thing with the movie is, as good of a movie as it is, um, it's it, it does have that really dated feel. It's the only Star Trek movie that has a really dated feel to it because yeah. they're going back to 1986, mm-hmm. San Francisco. Um, so you know the idea of punks is different. The idea of how people dress is different. Right. Uh, the actual urban sprawl music that they play when they land on Earth. Uh, that like that just night court sounding oh absolutely bongos and saxophone oh, yeah, type saxophone, music yeah. with with the heavy bass and the funny thing about that too is it's almost like you know 
It almost fits more like an episode. Right. You know, it really almost fits more like an episode. But right. a good one. Right. You know. Um, so they, you know, long story short, they get the whales. Um, Spock manages to knock out some punk who's, you know, polluting the air with music. Yep. Uh, let's see, Chekhov is arrested for being a Russian sympathizer. Yep. <laughs> um, Scotty just blows this guy's mind with his uh, fast typing skills. Well, also, well, not even so bad, but he actually shows him a new way to make glass that's, like, as strong as, like, steel, but, like, not as heavy or something like that. Right. You know, it paved the way. And they, they make it back to their own time. They they let the whales loose, which yeah. I would have loved to see them, like, just shoot the whales out into space for some reason. Like, <laughs> like Wilsey X. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, why aren't the whales talking? Captain, the whales don't have oxygen. <laughs> Damn it! Come like four movies right and he demoted they demoted him after the yeah they uh, dropped all the other charges but like pretty one. much after just basic insolence it's the first time anybody has actually taken Kirk to cat task for anything yep I mean this guy has ignored the prime directive more times than anybody in the entire canon he's broken the rules when he thought it, he thought it best suited everybody right right you know? the, the needs of the uh, many outweigh the, the needs, needs of the few, few. <laughs> and um, remember that comedian at the end of Trekkies, who was oh, talking yeah, about how like, he'd break it. He was like, your Bible is a lie. And, of course, he'd break the whole prime directive every time. <laughs> um, um, yeah, and then from there, we go to Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. Oh. Uh, do yeah. we have to talk about this one? Well, we we kind of do, All because right. it does pose the question, does God need a spaceship? Well, you know, the funny thing is, it starts off with them camping. Yeah. You know, and... You know, Spock's trying to, you know, do a marshmallow and all that stuff. And I think the funniest line in that movie was actually... It, actually, the only line that I really liked that movie was when Bones goes, God, I liked him better before he died. <laughs> That's actually a funny line. I remember the poster very vividly. Because I mean, keep in mind, this is 1989 when it came out. This yep. is the year of Batman. Right. And Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. And Lethal Weapon 2. Right. And Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, which really is still kind of a kick-ass movie for a kid's film. Absolutely. But... I, mean, I, I remember the poster for this is atrociously bad yeah. Star Trek movie where it, it's space and there's a theater seat kind of flowing, floating around in space with a uh, like a seatbelt on it. Right. You know, pretty much saying that you're going to be blown out of your seat oh, by the God. final frontier. Yep. Um, and I, I don't know how my lawsuit is progressing with the false advertising on that. I'd say another, what, 30 years? Yeah, <laughs> give, give or take. I'm still also working on my uh, false advertising suit for the never-ending story. Oh, there we go. <laughs> no, but the funny thing is that they introduced you to Spock's brother, half-brother, Cybok. <laughs> Couldn't come up with a better name, by the way. It's too close. And he's like, you know, he's normal. He doesn't, like, he doesn't think like a Vulcan, and he thinks he's found God. So he gets all these ragtag guys who go up and... He can go up and take their pain away and make them follow him, like, you know, a pilgrimage. It's kind of like the Eden episode, right. almost. I, I do find it funny, because for the most part, um, in terms of the movies, uh, the first one directed by Robert Wise, who is directed They the Earth Stood Still, yep. and Sound of Music, right. um, Nicholas Meyer directed uh, Part 2, and then Leonard Nimoy took over the other two, yep. uh, Star Trek 3 and Star Trek 4. Shatner directed Star Trek 5. And you know, it shows. Yeah. But it, you know, the thing about that was, at least when he directed, he didn't put himself in everything, you know? He did focus on other stuff, but at the same time, yeah, it wasn't good. Right. He's not a director. Right. No, he, he most certainly is not. He can do his acting, he can do what he wants, but directing, it's not his thing. The only thing good about that movie was that little thing where they had to, like, going on horses, and they're basically, you know, all the Star 
Ripley crew were kind of going in there with phasers and stuff like that, kind of blowing everybody away. It was kind of cool. Anytime I like to see phasers, that's cool. Yeah, you know? and you don't you don't see a whole, see in the movie. Well, the thing is, you don't see a whole lot of the phasers because you're not allowed to use them on the ships. First of all, right? Because if you do, it sets off an alarm. It sets off, yeah. Which we'll discuss in a moment. In just a second, yeah. Actually, and speaking of directors, Nicholas Meyer, who directed Wrath of Khan, yep. came back for number six, The Undiscovered Country. And that was a very good movie. That was really a turning point in the whole series, and it kind of. It's it, it it is the 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 passing of the torch, really, and it was also a turning point in actually the storylines, right? Because that was where they were actually making peace with the Klingons, right? And it was the whole those Klingon ambassadors to my son, yes, and where Kirk is very re- resistant to the peace treaty, right? Which is fortunate that um, there's a Klingon admiral who's also resistant to the peace treaty, absolutely, Christopher I, Plummer and his screwed on uh, eye patch, absolutely. <laughs> now the funny thing was they had uh, Kim Cattrall play the Vulcan. Vulcan woman. Yeah. That was supposed to be the other woman that played Savick there. That right. Actually, have her turn, which I think would be a little more interesting because you like her in the other movies, and all of a sudden, boom, she's bad. Yeah, she just turned out that she was going to betray but the. But then uh, you find out one of the other admirals was like a betrayal, like um, Admiral Cartwright there. Yeah. He was like, he was a betrayal. He betrayed the Federation, all that stuff, and then hey, he had um. Klingons have brought nothing but pain for centuries. So right. I, I mean, mean, why why would you be so you know just gung ho to have this peace treaty just because I, I believe that uh, their planet Spaceball is running out of air? And I believe Worf's great grand. Grandfather Worf was uh, was also in there as well because everybody in that family is named Worf. Right. Um, the thing with Star Trek Six, and as I mentioned, it's the passing of the torch because it was they, they pretty much admitted this is the last movie that the entire original crew is going to show up in. And you could tell because when they actually had them all standing there at the end. Yeah, they did the little little signatures, you know, kind of that little final right. farewell. And it was it was definitely gone known that they were going to move to next generation yep. for the next series of movies, right. uh, which which is very admirable. I think it's it they really ended that that series on a high note yeah. because in my personal opinion, I think it's the second best movie. Uh, and that's by default only because as I mentioned earlier, uh, Star Trek Four didn't age as well. I right. think if it had aged better, I'd probably put Star Trek Four up there. Mm-hmm. Um, Are you talking about like in the original series as a second? Uh, in, ter- in terms of yeah, in, in, no, in terms of the original, original series. series. Okay, gotcha. um, and obviously we're not going to go into anything really for for the next generation. No, I mean, well, I'll just the only thing we can say there is you know, when generations pretty much was the last torch passing. It was almost like the captain torch, pa- torch, torch passing, like, right? Because you know, it killed Kirk off. Well, yeah, I, I, no, I, I didn't spoil it for you. Sorry. <laughs> Oops. Um, the, do, now, do you know though that uh, Shatner wrote a book that was uh, about Star Trek that was supposed to follow right after Generations, where Kirk really wasn't dead. Okay. And so I think. Oh what, yeah, I did hear about that. I, I think that. what ended up happening was because I, I never actually deigned to read the book because William Shatner wrote it first of all, okay. and it was about Star Trek. Um, was that. He really just wanted to kill him off in, on his own terms. He didn't want to just have, you know, a piece of grating fall on him and Malcolm yeah, McDowell standing over, you know, laughing over his dead body. I kind of, you know what, I gotta agree with that because, I mean, out of all the things that he's done, that was kind of a, a shit way to kill him. It, it was. It I mean, was. There was something better they could have done. Maybe like Odd-numbered movie! That's true. I mean, maybe take the blast from Picard or something like that. Right. That would have been, I think that would have been a little more interesting, but hey, you know, I didn't write it, so I can't right. complain. Oh, well. But, um, actually, someone who can complain and who has a little uh, input is our buddy Mike from CC, who's, right. got, uh, who's got this to say about the movies. Hey, guys. Gundam Guy from Mike here again. For Star Trek, I've always been more of a Next Generation guy, Set phasers to stun, Mr. Gulick. Is he out? Um, let me just check. <clears throat> right in the balls. What the hell? Eh, he was there. 
Okay, fair enough. All right, so uh, yeah, this is 2014, Mike and Andy, and we have slingshotted around the Earth to uh, give... The sun. Oh, is it the sun? Yes. God damn it. <laughs> I'm going back in time, and I'm going to uh, fix that, too. I'm going to slingshot around the Earth now. Yes. Um, <laughs> but we've come all the way from uh, 2014 to tell you all about the remake Star Trek movies that we're kind of talking about in 2008. But here's the thing. They are awesome. Yes, they are. Yes. So uh, while 2008 uh, Mike C. and Andy are, are worrying about this, eh, maybe they might be okay or whatever. They are friggin' awesome. Oh, yes. Yes, indeed. J.J. So, Abrams did wonders with them. Yes. And before um, 2008 Mike G. wakes up, we should uh, get, we should get to our reviews. Okay. All right. So let's start. 2009 Star Trek. J.J. Abrams. Chris Pine. Zachary Kinto. It was an excellent way to time boot the whole, like reboot, but with time travel. I thought it was fantastic. It was the the best overwrite of any like franchise ever. They completely rewrote everything. All the stuff that happened in the 1960s and the 70s and the 80s all still happened yeah. in that timeline. Yeah, but now it's on a different timeline, and right? they're doing their own thing. And it's pretty pretty freaking awesome. Mm. It just it, the the thing is is that with most with most times that someone tries to reboot or remake something, it tends to be um, it doesn't really have the love. No, that J.J. Abrams showed. Or, or to sometimes this. it has too much love, th- and it know, ends up being more of like a almost a carbon copy. Some yeah, exactly. It's you know, and then you've got other things like the Michael Bay Transformers movies, which uh, audiences of two thousand eight have not realized the full extent of that man's destruction. Oh, yes. Yes. Um, he, he has destroyed that franchise That franchise is time. done. The sad thing is, and this is just throwing back to uh, 2014, that thanks to um, Transformers Age of Extinction, they're calling it the death of the summer blockbuster. Ooh. It's that bad. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it, let me see. The first, the, let me see. The second week, it had like a 65% drop. And then this week it had the like, teens. Yeah, it made like sixteen million. Yeah. In the third week. Yeah. That's how much it's down. It's just dropped. Yeah. But anyway, back to uh, Star Trek. Yeah. Um, I mean every every character in there was perfectly cast. I think Chris Pine, is, you know, to this day is still he he was criminally he neglected. Was channeling his in, his inner Shatner. Oh, and it was great too. I mean, he does you know he bangs green chicks yeah. and breaks the rules, and you actually get to see what happens. With the Kobayashi Maru. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was cool. That was fantastic. I, I love that so much. We're receiving a distress signal from the USS Kobayashi Maru. The ship has lost power and it's stranded. Starfleet Command has ordered us to rescue them. Starfleet Command has ordered us to rescue them. Captain. Zachary Kinto was marvelous as Spock. He was. He was really good. Now, I just saw something on uh, Facebook the other day. I think it was from my friend Kathleen who said that she just watched Star Trek Into Darkness, still doesn't care for Zachary Kinto, because she thinks that Jim Parsons would have made a better Spock, to which I say nay. Nay. I nay. say nay. Yeah. Um, other characters? Um, really? Yeah, really. Ooh. Well, yeah, that's the... Well, that's that's Nerd Blackface right there. Yeah, right there. Yeah, anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, you've got uh, Keith Urban. As Bones. Carl Urban. Carl Urban. Sorry, sorry. Keith Urban is the country singer. God, God damn it. All right. <laughs> like Carl Urban 
is fantastic. Oh, yeah. He, Completely, you know, he, he is DeForest Kelly in Yeah, that. he's got that nice gruff sense of humor to himself. Right, right. Um, I mean, I could take or leave Zoe Saldana, but I've always been able to just take or leave Zoe Saldana. Um, I would rather take her, but... Well, okay. Hmm. <laughs> um, I mean, she's okay. It's just, it, it's... Aurora has always been an underwritten role. Yeah, Aurora was always just, she was there... And that was it. Yeah. She, she's never been one to stand out. Right. Right. Um, who else? John Cho is, uh, is Sulu. Oh. Oh my. Oh my. It, it, I really oh my. wish they would have thrown something to that because that really would have made the character. Instead, it's, it's Harold. Yeah, but seeing him with the fencing rapier, that was, that was cool. Oh, that was great. Yeah. Well, you know, it was funny too because when we went to go see it, the, um, okay, so it's Kirk, Sulu, and a guy in a red shirt. <laughs> and there's Mr. no Smith. guessing what's going to happen. Yeoman Smith, exactly. And of course, he has the one. He's the one with all the detonators. Yep. <laughs> um, and uh, Scotty. Um, oh well, that's that Simon Pegg. Yeah, it's perfect. You can't go wrong. Right, exactly. Considering that they they introduced him so late in the movie too. Yeah, yeah, but halfway through. It worked, it, but it worked out perfectly. Um, and then Anton Yelchin as mm. Chekhov. Yeah. Around for their first mission. <laughs> um, it's funny because I know that's like one of his first acting roles. Yeah, I haven't seen off. him in a whole lot. I hadn't seen him in a lot, and I still haven't seen him in a lot. I know he was in Fright Night, that terrible remake with uh, Colin Farrell. And David Tennant. Oh, David, oh, yeah, that's right. David Tennant was in that. He played the Roddy McDowell role. Yes. Um, so, and then you got the villains. You've got, uh, oh, God, what's his name? Oh. oh Nero. Nero, it yes. Nero. God damn it. He played his fiddle. Yes. <laughs> um... Perfectly serviceable villain, considering that you never really saw Romulans in any of the movies. No. no. And, um, yeah, and then, and, and then past Spock. Yeah. <laughs> you had to have that, because, um, you know, Kirk pretty much destroyed himself by slipping on an intergalactic banana peel. <laughs> he will never show up in any of the movies again. Oh, poor Shadow. Yeah, all in all, I mean, if, God, it's 2014 now, that movie's five years old. If you haven't seen this one... Go out, just buy the Blu-ray. Yeah, it is by far worth it. It's one of the first Blu-rays I got, and oh my god, it just looks I bought, awesome. I bought the DVD that came in the the Enterprise model. Oh yeah, you popped open, you pop open the the bridge, and it's in, in the DVDs yeah. in there. Then I bought the Blu-ray. That was one of my first ones. Well. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's a lot of fun. It's it's just a fun movie. Yeah. All right, so moving on to uh, 2013 Star Trek Into Darkness. Darkness. The sequel, which in a lot of cases I could say is better than Star Trek. I mean, Star Trek laid the groundwork. Yeah. It absolutely laid the groundwork. It was like no, nothing we'd ever seen re reboot-wise. But Into Darkness takes it a, just a completely different avenue. Yeah. it. I mean, Into Darkness is, is right because they go some fairly dark places. Yeah, they do. They, find, they have their first interaction with the Klingons. Yeah. Who I love the, the redesign. Oh, yeah. For the Klingons. It, it's, it just it's, looks less ridiculous and more warrior-like. Well, to be fair, the, in the original Star Trek, the Klingons were black guys. Black guys with uh, bowl cuts and Fu Manchu mustaches. Yeah. Yes, which I just said uh, <laughs> about, like, 45 minutes ago in the original 2008 podcast. Oh, yes. So, yes, you're right. Uh, yes. Um, and then, well, I mean, it, there's, it, it's not spoiling it anymore. Khan. Ben, yeah, Benedict Cumberbatch as Khan. 
But as a result of the destruction of Vulcan, your Starfleet began to aggressively search distant quadrants of space. My ship was found adrift. I alone was revived. I looked up John Harrison. Until a year ago, he didn't exist. John Harrison was a fiction created the moment I was awoken by your Admiral Marcus to help him advance his cause. A smokescreen to conceal my true identity. My name is Khan. Benedict Cumberpatch is seriously has got the most piercing stare oh. ever. Stare and his, his voice is just direct and to the point. Yes. He, he just has a very direct way of approaching things. It's huge. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just wow. I mean, I remember when we went to go see it, it was uh, Autumn, Jim, and I went to go see it. And Jim actually said this is the best movie I've seen since The Departed. Wow. Yeah, that's a, that's a bold statement. That's but for um, Jim, that's, that's pretty big. Yeah, no, no. And he he loved it. I, I mean, seriously, it is a great movie. Yes, it it is. really is a good movie. Yeah, there's so much going on with there. It introduces, it introduces new characters. It introduces uh, people like, um, oh, God. Oh, uh, what's her name? Marcus. Yeah. Cap, uh, Admiral Marcus. And, and then and, uh, Carol Marcus. Carol Marcus. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Who will go on to birth uh, useless son David. <laughs> who goes on to die very quickly. Well, new timeline. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, so, hey, he might not even ever exist. There you go. Let's hope. No, but um, I love how the, the introduction is. It kind of like halfway through... It kind of flipped around, and suddenly they're going off in a completely different direction. Well, yeah, it's like it's it, it's almost like they had to start the the movie over again. Yeah. Um. Because yeah, they're all they they captured Khan. Yeah. Everything was all right, and then they figured, wait, there's something more going on here. Well, Khan pulled a Loki on them. Yeah. He got captured, you know, intentionally. But I do love that they kept they they, I mean, they kept the basic um origin story intact yeah. until Marcus came across him. It wasn't Kirk. Right. It was Marcus who came across him because the entire escapades beforehand kind of hindered uh, Kirk oh, yeah. from being the one to find him. That's right, yeah, because he was he had to deal with uh, his actions. Timeline! Yeah. <laughs> Timeline! Um, yeah, I mean, seriously, this was a fantastic movie. Yeah, I, can't, so I cannot say enough about it. It's, it's weird. It's, like, it's not Getting the universal love that I thought it would. Though. Well, no, and then it's funny too because when it first came out, it was A pluses all around, great movie, great movie, great movie, and then all of a sudden people started criticizing it for ripping off Star Trek Two. That's the whole point. Exactly. I, I, I think a lot of people are just annoyed with J.J. Abrams' kind of uber secretiveness that had tons of leaks through it. In all honesty, I I, I didn't care. No, I didn't care I, I didn't about care that. Either. I love that I didn't know much about the story going on. Yeah. I mean, Entertainment Weekly, the week the movie came out, ruined who it was. In their review, they said it was Khan. Yeah, they did. I mean, and yeah, I mean, you got the rumblings and all that, but you know, there's still that. Well, there's that scene where he actually reveals himself to be Khan, and it's just like you are the greatest actor I have I have seen <laughs> in a long, long time. Please play Doctor Strange, please. Please? I, I don't think he will. But you think it's going to be Tom Hardy? I, I don't think it'll be either one of them. I think they're they're just too busy with their careers. That yeah, they that's, can't, that's true. They can't dedicate the time. No, we'll see. So anyway, oh, 2008 Mike is starting to stir. <clears throat> okay, so, um, well, we should probably head back to uh, 2014. and uh, Back into the TARDIS. Yes, prepare ourselves for uh, 
for episode 100. Yeah. All right, so uh, until uh, next time, I'm Andy. I'm Mike. And we're from 2014. Go forth and be nerdful. We'll talk to you in five years. Um, now, before we conclude our episode, uh, there is a new Star Trek movie coming out. Yep. Uh, it's by J.J. Abrams, yep. um, who did Alias, mm-hmm. and um, it's going to essentially set the reset button on the original Star Trek franchise, meaning that it's uh, Kirk, Spock, Bones, right. McCoy, Scotty. And I'm hoping that what they do is maybe at least update the technology, don't make it look like the original series. I'm hoping like they'll take like today's standards and kind of make it for that and kind of reboot the series. I, I think they have that opportunity to because um, they, they have seen the future. It's, and I'm it's thinking been like, 40 years since right. the original series came out. And I'm hoping like they'll wear maybe the original uniforms, maybe update them a little bit so they look a little more... To date, they, I mean, you, more flattering and form fitting. Absolutely, I think that would be good. And um, I, I, you know, I gotta say, like it or hate it, I'm actually kind of looking forward to the cast of this. Yeah, yeah. You even, got... even Chris Pine as Kirk. I mean, yeah. You don't really need anybody to be a great actor to play Kirk. You really that's more of a look character, right? You know, I always base guys on look characters or you know, you know I, acting ability. I'll get over. I'll get over the fact that my original choice, Matt Damon, wasn't picked for well, it. Well, I think but... it would have been great too. But right. I think they wanted someone younger so they could carried on a lot, lot longer. Yeah. Matt Damon was great. Don't get me wrong. He would have been phenomenal. Right. But uh, I think Chris Pine's got more of the younger look. He's a younger guy. You know, he has done some decent movies for what he does. So I think that'll work for him. Right. You know? I mean, I'm more looking forward to uh, Zachary Kinto as Spock. Have you uh, seen the picture of him as Spock? Let he me show a little thing. Looks He's dead on. Awesome. And right now, I mean, with Heroes just starting up again, yeah. um, I'm in love with the Siler. Uh, Storyline. So this is just, oh, yeah, he's it's great. That good cop, bad cop. He's doing there. the good cop, bad cop thing. That. Yeah, it's... I did watch an episode. Excellent, excellent. We'll Thank you. Yeah. We're going to talk about that at some other point. Absolutely. But uh, he's he looks great, um, and he is playing younger Spock. And Leonard Nimoy is going to make an appearance probably towards the end, right. As old Spock. Mm-hmm. So as we had said a lot a lot earlier, you know, he's really embraced yep. being this character. He's not one of these guys that like um, like Gilligan. Right. Did uh, Bob Denver essentially never wanted to be associated with Gilligan ever again? Even well, though like, he'd yeah. show up in ads with that stupid hat on. Most characters, uh, and most guys, and those guys don't want to be remembered that. But that's Leonard, they, Leonard that's what, Nimoy that's is really their, those are meal tickets. Yeah, though. Leonard Nimoy is really embraced playing Spock. So having him back in the new movie, even though Shatner won't be in the new movie, right. is is great. I mean, you got a great supporting cast. You've got um, um, you got uh, Simon Pegg. Oh, he's Scotty. Shaun of the Dead, yep. Shaun of the Dead will be Scotty. I love that. I yeah. think he's great because he's enough that he can be serious, but enough that he can be funny, too. And uh, Harold of Harold and Kumar is playing James Sulu. That's as, uh, right. Sulu, yeah. Yeah, the creepy Asian guy from American Pie. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, and um, Carl Urban is playing McCoy. You know, I like that. I, know, I like he, that. He's younger, I... but yet it gives it, but he's got that grizzled look to him that actually will make him play that role well. I like the initial idea of Gary Sinise, but I, I do like... Carl Urban only because this guy has been looking for a breakthrough role since right. Lord of the Rings. I think Sinise probably would be I think if you'd done it ten years ago, Sinise would have been perfect. Yeah. I think Sinise I like Gary Sinise, but I think he's too old for now. Because I mean McCoy was older, but not that much older. Sinise is just a cranky, cranky man. Yes. Ah, <laughs> uh, so I am looking forward to that. That'll actually and, be um, next Christmas. That's so right. Christmas and, of oh nine. And I know um it was a Christmas of 09? I thought yeah. was, I thought they pushed up to the summer. It might actually it might be it the might summer. be the summer it of might 09. be the summer yeah it's also be Christmas of this year 
and then they push it up to summer of '09. I think that's what it is. You no, know, I'm, I'm confused. Like there are so many scheduling changes right. right now with movies. It's not even funny. I mean, I'm still reeling from Harry Potter not coming out this fall. I know. I was a little upset. So that yeah, what the hell am I gonna go see? Yeah. I want to see Bond, and that's about it. Damn it. Um, so anyway, that about wraps it up for uh, for our, our episode, Star Trek. A lot Trek. of stuff in yeah. this. I mean, there's a lot, but this is the show that paved the way for everybody. You know, the sci-fi geeks, everybody. And, you know... We, we all owe Gene Roddenberry a, uh, a debt of gratitude. And, you know, I think Star Wars also got into that, and basically the two became a juggernaut, and that's really what kind of... Those are really the two backbones of pretty much any sci-fi convention you go to. Don't forget Stan Lee. That's true. You can't forget Stanley. Well, I'm talking about sci-fi. We right. talk about comics. That's a different story. That that's their own. That's their own thing. I, I understand. It's that. just as powerful. It's another juggernaut right there. Right. That's so, how I'm looking at it. <laughs> so um, our next episode is going to be our Halloween movie episode because it'll be the episode that we record close enough to uh, Halloween within the next two or three weeks. Um, pretty much what we're going to be talking about are movies that we like to watch at Halloween. Um, anything that might stick out that you watch every year. If you're a traditionalist, okay. if you try to watch something new. Every year, uh, for example, this year, I'm actually going to try to get Autumn to watch uh, Alien, which I think is, even though it's a science fiction movie, Mm -hmm. it is a great horror film. So we're going to attempt to watch that. But we want to hear about what you guys out there want to watch as well for um, your Halloween movies. Uh, Send us an email at geeksalad at yahoo.com. You can either send us the email, send us a one to two two minute uh, MP3 or WMA file. Mm -hmm. You can also uh, check us out at uh, myspace.geeksalad.com or at our homepage, uh, geeksalad.mypodcast.com. All right. So I think we've got a... I think we've got a lot to look forward to. Could, yeah, I know 411 Mania is doing actually a little thing on um, horror movies, the top ten, what top 100 horror movies that this guy kind of came up with. Oh, really? And uh, we'll go on that another time. I'll I have a little problem with it already, but we'll all talk right, about that we'll, we'll, we'll talk about we'll talk we'll definitely go in depth on that next time. So until next time, I'm Andy. And I'm Mike, and thanks for listening.